This is episode 213 of IDRA Class Notes. I feel like just by having the opportunity to actually talk about this and actually giving a chance to talk about like how we have these negative stereotypes, how they came to be, we would better be able to like actually apply history to real life. Because a lot of the questions that get asked in school is like, what is the purpose of this? What is the purpose of history? It's so boring. We're just learning facts and people and events. But by actually analyzing how these events continue to perpetuate in society today, now they contribute to a lot of the problems that we have today. Like as students, we'll be better able to solve for them. Welcome to IDRA's podcast, Classics. I am Thomas Marshall, the policy communication strategist here at IDRA. And today you'll hear from two Texas public school students, Autumn and Amon, who are concerned about the classroom censorship measures that have trended across the nation and here in Texas as well. Recently, the Teach Coalition submitted a letter to the Texas Attorney General in response to a recent state representative's request for an attorney general opinion on anti-racism teachings and critical race theory principles in Texas public schools. The coalition urged the attorney general to decline to issue such an opinion and provided the students list of experiences that highlight interpersonal and systemic discrimination faced by young people in Texas. Within this letter are 88 individual student experiences with racial and gender discrimination in schools. Autumn and Amon are representing themselves today to discuss the awful experiences with racism and discrimination they and their peers have unfortunately personally faced. We stand in solidarity with these students and are thankful for them for sharing their space with us today. I first wanna thank everybody for allowing me to speak my mind on this topic. It's really important to me. And I guess for some background on my speech, I am African-American and my ancestry kind of dates back to slavery. So definitely there's a lot deep rooted like interest as well as just trauma from like the topic of education. So growing up essentially, I've kind of been taught two versions of history. So I'd be at home and my grandmother and my mother would kind of talk about their experiences growing up in school, during segregation, during civil rights, like their grandmother, their great grandmother, and like during slavery and just how bad it is and some of the experience that they've had. And then I'd go to school and get like none of that, if that makes any sense. A lot of the topics would be essentially centered around just talking about like, oh, civil rights was a thing, Martin Luther King kind of saved the day. And that was it. That was the end of the discussion. And I whenever I talked about some of the experiences that my mom went through or like my grandmother went through during these time periods, everybody would be kind of like confused, also a little puzzled because they were like, this is not what's in the textbook. Or they'd be like, thank you for sharing. And that would be the end of the discussion. And so like I just growing up, I was always been like just confused as to why, like as a child, like why is none of this in the textbook? Isn't the textbook supposed to know everything? And as I like grew up and just learned a bit more about the subject, did a lot of research for myself, I kind of realized how much withholding of information there is in like the Texas curriculum in particular and how little they talk about slavery as a whole. Even just as last year, as I took AP US history, there was a couple events. I could probably name, I would say about 10 events that featured any sort of POC representation or 10 figures in general. And I find that really disturbing already, especially with the SB3 law being passed and withholding even more of that information. I don't want children that have to follow after me having to go through like this experience, this out-of-body experience of just going to school and not feeling 
represented, like not feeling that they have a place. And oftentimes, like my family would talk about history being so boring for them. But like at the back of my mind, I would be like, history so boring because you have nothing to connect to. You have no people to connect to. The only figures that you can connect to in history books are Harriet Tubman and honestly, Martin Luther King. Wonderful, like obviously, definitely need to be highlighted, but there's more to the story. And I think it was just really frustrating and really just honestly depressing that I never got a chance to really talk about my history in school and talk about like the experiences and how that continues to like perpetuate even in today's society. So I think I've gotten a couple of comments, microaggressive comments, I would say, because I don't think they were intently trying to be racist, such as, oh, Autumn, you're not as Black as other Black people, or, you know, you have a good GPA for a Black person, so you'll get into that college. And I think it's just really, first of all, how am I supposed to respond to that? And second of all, like, really depressing. At least when I was told these comments, I was just like so confused because I could tell something, some seeking suspicion was in my like body. I felt really uncomfortable with the statements, but because they never said it in an intent to like harm me, I was just like, okay, thank you. I didn't know. But now that I look back on it, I think a lot of these comments definitely are kind of backhanded. They're essentially implying that I'm one of the good people versus the rest of my race, meaning that ingrained in these students' heads, are negative stereotypes that have been continued to be perpetuated that don't represent the full story. I would say a lot of these stereotypes, actually, you can connect it back to history and talk about like how these stereotypes came to be and how certain institutionalizations have like forced some of these negative stereotypes, at least on my race in particular. And at the time, I didn't have this knowledge, so I couldn't educate them. But I feel like at the same time, school would be the perfect place. And so I feel like just by having the opportunity to actually talk about this and actually giving a chance to talk about like how we have these negative stereotypes, how they came to be, we would better be able to like actually apply history to real life. Because a lot of the questions that get asked in school is like, what is the purpose of this? What is the purpose of history? It's so boring. We're just learning facts and people and events. But by actually analyzing how these events continue to perpetuate in society today, now they contribute to a lot of the problems that we have today not as like as students will be better able to solve for them. However, I can talk about how important it is, but I will also want to address the concerns that are kind of brought up when it comes to this topic and kind of just giving more information out, right? Stop like withholding or whitewashing history and giving a more open and representative history of the United States. And so a couple of concerns is that sometimes educators or like the board will not be able to, like they won't know how to go about teaching it. I would first and foremost like to say there are several organizations, such as the IDRA, the Teach Coalition, some of the people here that would be glad to actually help you help the board implement some of these ethnic studies courses, for example. But even then, like at the very least, like even in textbooks, just having a bit more POC representation would be amazing. Because I would say around 95% of our textbooks cover white history, white figures, and that 5% attributed to the entirety of POC events and history altogether. And I would say that split is definitely not equal nor even. And I feel like just by having a bit more representation and making it a bit more of a priority, then students will be able to memorize it. And maybe they'll have drawn interest and do self-research for themselves. I would also say a couple, like a couple responses to like how they don't know how to go about it. We take around seven years of history, if not more, in our public education system, I'm attributing from like sixth grade to 12th grade. We have seven years and they spend at least two years on U.S. history alone. So I feel like just by, again, either prioritizing more POC representation or attributing, like substituting one of those 
U.S. history classes or an ethnic studies course, or even then just trying to like either promote ethnic studies because ethnic studies is provided in my district. However, it is not at my school simply because they made one flyer about how it's introduced and they don't send, they don't continue to like say, oh, this is a course that you can take. They don't talk about any of the teachers that are teaching it. None of the students seem to know that these courses even exist at our high school, unless I mention them to some of my friends and they'll be like, oh, Autumn, I saw this. It's like, yeah, but nobody's willing to join. And I think that's like really problematic. And then secondly, the second concern that's usually brought up in response to any sort of letting history be more representative is that it will demonize a certain race or demonize white students or make white students feel uncomfortable. A couple responses to this one. First of all, I would say that demonization is kind of a stretch. I feel like that this is an educational setting. No student is going to start hating or making a white student feel uncomfortable. I feel like it's more like instead of saying like demonization, I would say history is all about taking accountability for the mistakes that our country has made. They are not attributed to a certain student's actions. And so I don't think demonization would be the best term or like what's actually gonna happen to a student. While these conversations may make students feel uncomfortable to some extent, if they're introduced at the high school level when students are more mature, I still think these conversations can better solve for some of the issues and allow some students to actually vent their frustrations. And so some of these students who make comments or like even backhanded comments that they don't realize are like kind of harmful, they'll be able to realize and internalize, oh, that was wrong. I shouldn't have made that comment. That probably made her feel this way. And that shows that I'm like this and I'm not like that. So I think it better educate students so that they don't make these comments going forward. It also, I would say, helps to build better critically thinking students in general. So because if you're able to better solve for some of the issues that persist right now, it won't really be a problem. So this is essentially why I think just giving a more representative history in general and allowing students, especially students of color, to talk about their experiences is super important because I don't want no other person to receive comments like I did or any of my friends to be like having racist comments thrown directly at them whenever some certain events happen and instead kind of internalize like why this exists. Because I think history needs to stop being boring and start being educational. Thank you. Thank you so much, Autumn. We affirm and empathize with everything that you said and appreciate you so much dismantling and really taking charge of the person-to-person things that you've seen that you've had to unfortunately face, as well as the systems that we face every day. So I really, really appreciate it. Aman, we can start with you next. Hi, thank you so much. Um, Autumn, you really summed up pretty much almost, you know, most of what I wanted to talk about as well. So I'm just going to be picking back off of what you said. But again, my name is Iman. I'm in the 11th grade and I'd like to be so incredibly grateful for this opportunity to speak about my lived experiences in the Texas education system. And I'd first like to state that most of these experiences and the ones that I'm stating are my individual experiences and I'll be speaking for myself unless I state otherwise. And just like how Autumn provided some context, I am a first generation Muslim woman in America. I am visibly Muslim. I wear the hijab. And so my experiences are much different than Autumn's, but we do share not only just Autumn and I, but all minority communities. I believe that we share one major characteristic within the education system, and that is that we are all part of an institution that was not created for our benefit or betterment, and in fact, almost always works against us, right? So while I cannot speak for every student in Texas, I know for a fact that in my opinion, learning about race, religion, and sexuality in a Eurocentric, heteronormative lens only hurts students, including myself, and stops critical progress from occurring. 
So the fact that so much of our history must be hidden for the comfort of a few is deeply harmful and uncomfortable for the many students who haven't been exposed to their own history. You know, how long are we going to hide away from accountability and hide away from the truth, essentially, in order to preserve this bubble of comfort when, in fact, students of different races, ethnicities, religions, different sexualities are continuously uncomfortable in school settings when their experiences are hidden and not talked about and when they aren't represented in a positive light. So in my African-American Studies course, a new course introduced this year, I've engaged in discussions about ethnicity, race, and lived experiences in a manner that I never have experienced before. And this isn't just from, you know, my teacher or myself. I'm hearing experiences from students who aren't used to talking about their experiences with race, religion, sexuality, ethnicity, especially during this time in America, and providing a platform and providing a class where students can respectfully and with compassion engage in these conversations It's really, really impactful, not only for myself, but seeing how students can relate to each other and develop an understanding of things that they haven't been exposed to before. So we've learned about the horrific slave trade in in an extensive manner, in a way that I have never been taught before. And like Autumn said, even as a student in, in AP US history, these topics are slightly brushed on. We're like, okay, this is really bad. Let's move on. Instead, we were learning about, you know, the complexities of colonization and imperialism, and and we've made connections to how many of the ideas that were established during, you know, the early 16th century are still, like, extremely prevalent today. And again, this is a topic that has only been slightly touched in my previous history classes, right? So with the passing of a law that is specifically targeting these conversations and that prohibits these critical conversations, I believe that a great disservice is being done to these, you know, quote-unquote leaders of tomorrow. It's, It's definitely a step backwards. Several steps backwards, I believe. As a student in the public education system in Texas, I've heard slurs from my peers towards racial, ethnic, and religious minorities, including myself. And the many experiences that students face isn't just at the hands of students, right? So this blatant bigotry extends to teachers, administration, and whether that be implicit or explicit, we see it in the guidelines, we see it in the rules, we see it in the dress code, we see it in how Teachers come to school with implicit biases that directly harm students of color, students that are visibly, you know, from different religious groups, students who have different sexualities, students from different gender identities. We see how these teachers, without the proper training, are coming and directly impacting students at, you know, a very, very vulnerable states. So these many microaggressions towards students, like Autumn was talking about, towards the microaggressions that she herself faced... They're a clear example of how ignorance is, like, reinforced towards, like, this lack of education, right? When we don't have education and curriculum directly confronting these biases, these stereotypes. We're having students come to school with these implicit biases, with these stereotypes in mind, and they're perpetuating these stereotypes, this bigotry. Bigotry and hatred are systems that are taught and they're upheld. And so while many will say that the ignorance of a few is not reflective of the entire education system, acknowledging that these instances and beliefs would not be as apparent had students been taught about the experiences of these minorities in a compassionate and extensive manner. So by censoring these conversations about race, ethnicity, gender, sexuality, and current events, not only are we upholding the systems that work against students from minority groups, we are creating an education system whose sole purpose is to censor the students and indoctrinate rather than give rise to a more tolerant, caring, and open-minded generation. Thank you very much.
Thank you so much for your powerful words. I have a follow-up question. How has the censorship measures affected conversations in the classroom so far? I'll go first and then I'll let Autumn go. But thank you, Maria. That is a really important question. And in my speech, I was talking about, in my statement, I was talking about how um, in the classroom, like prior to the bill being passed, we were having these like conversations it seemed like students were actually, you know, engaged in these conversations and we were all learning from each other. It was a compassionate, safe environment. However, after the passing of this bill, we haven't actually had those discussions at all. And that was something that I wanted to mention in my statement. But I'm really thankful that you asked me this question because we genuinely haven't. Right now we're discussing, you know, just like in a little update, we're discussing currently the Atlantic slave trade and we're doing, you know, presentations on there. But we haven't had a space to talk about that. And my teacher actually talked about this exact problem. And he stated that, like, the whole reason that he chose this class in the first place was that so he could hear these conversations, was that so he could, like, facilitate these conversations. And that with the passing of this bill, it's, like, really disheartening because the whole point of having an ethnic studies class, and this is an elective class. So students choose that class specifically to engage in these discussions, to engage in, um, conversations about race and ethnicity and to have these conversations completely shut out and not being able to happen we've just been treading and same thing in my u.s history class my teacher it's not her fault at all you know she's like doesn't want to get in trouble with the law it's like a law now so she's just like everything that we learn is very much okay here's what happened here's why it happened and then almost no current events or anything in that agenda because just because we're threading on that phrase that I just can't think of but it's very difficult to have conversations at all and talk about politics or current events especially in a class about American politics and American history when you can't have conversations about current events that relate back to situations like that in a way without you know seeming biased or anything it's very very difficult but yeah Autumn you can go ahead. I guess my experience is a little different from Amon's. I wouldn't per se say that I've ever been able to kind of comfortably speak in a U.S. history class, like in-depthly on my experiences or like Texas history or world history or world geography. Like there's really very little room to kind of have those conversations, especially since they have to follow the curriculum and they have to meet certain deadlines. Teachers do not give priority to students to kind of voice these concerns. That's why ethnic studies courses are so important. It's kind of sad to see about how Amon's not able to have these conversations anymore in those classes there were supposed to be spaces to have those conversations. However, I am taking what we call a dual credit course. So it's technically under college curriculum. And one we're learning, like it's an English class. So when we're learning about like history, well, we're not technically learning about history, we're learning about English and looking at how like dialogue is used and how that kind of perpetuates like institutions. We're able to kind of talk about some of these subjects, but I think a lot of students are just holding back. I think our teacher also mentioned that she's able to kind of work against the administration a little bit because she's considered a college course, but she has definitely have to like kind of navigate in her own way. And a lot of students just aren't really talking about these experiences, but I guess we kind of do reference them because we are considered a college course, but previously in Texas public education, no. Thank you so much, Autumn and Amon. We are very appreciative and grateful for you for sharing your stories today. We have the letter to the attorney general, along with the 88 student experiences in our show notes. And to stay in touch with us about classroom censorship measures and culturally sustaining teaching, be sure to stay subscribed to our email alerts and recent publication, Knowledge is Power. And also check out our website at idra.org. Thank you.
thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.